0: Amen. We're just going to turn to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Amen. Amen. Whenever I was preparing this message, I didn't realize that it was... I knew it was Easter next week, but I didn't... I wasn't thinking about Easter whenever I was preparing it, you know, but... um, Maybe a week early, but we'll just... uh, We'll go with it in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 11 and verse 17. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. This was Lazarus. And now Bethany was nigh on to Jerusalem about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Mary or to Martha and to Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. And Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, Yet shall he live, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, believest thou this. She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had said so, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. The Master is come and calleth for thee. The call of the master. The call, I believe, that comes to every life. I firmly believe that in every person's life, not only do you hear the voice of God, but at some point you actually hear the voice of God calling you. I know that many times throughout my life, as like many others in this room, there was a call of God through hardship, through circumstance, through Sunday school teachers, through gospel tracts, But at the age of 27, on the 17th of June, 2009, the call became that strong to resist it. From that point forward would be to move to a downward path. You see, there is a moment where in your heart you know that the voice of God is calling you. It's an intimate call. It's a personal call. It's a call that's specifically for you. You see, so often we tend to think that Jesus was just about numbers. He was only interested in the crowds. We get to church and we think that he was only interested in crowds and numbers, that Jesus would walk along the shores of Galilee and he would stop at a beach and he'd throw up an altar and 10,000 people would come to Christ. That's wonderful, friends, but that's not the way it was in Scripture. Yes, the multitudes were following him. Thousands of people were thronging him, but yet he constantly throughout Scripture stopped for the one after the one. After the one. You see, the scripture says he didn't come to call the righteous to himself, but he came to call sinners. He came to call a people who have fallen short of the glory of God. He came to call a people who know that they need a savior. He came because he loves us, not because you and I are perfect in ourselves or ever can be. He came because he lost us in that Garden of Eden all those years ago. He came because we were the most precious thing that he ever owned. Even though he's eternal, even though he's always existed and all things were created by his hand, the most important thing that was ever, ever created in the precious sight of God is you. You're of incredible value to God tonight. Not for what you can do, but because of what he was willing to do to get you back to himself. He's just simply calling you back to himself. It really doesn't get much simpler than that tonight. He lost you. And he came to get you through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the scripture it says a man had a hundred sheep and he lost one and he left the ninety and nine went after one until he found it. You see he knows we're lost and this is why he became a man and came to the earth, walked through it enduring the shame and the scorn of the people around him. That's why he was beaten to a pulp and nailed to a cross for one thing and one thing alone. He wanted you back to himself. Friends, you see, there's a moment in every life where God calls. There's a moment in every heart where you know that it's the voice of God that is calling you. The question has to be tonight, what will you do when your call comes? Mary, the Master is come and calleth for thee. You see, we come to our reading tonight. We come to a little village called Bethany. We come to a home that Jesus often visited. In fact, we could say it was his second home. It was his home. It was in this home that the Savior relaxed. It was in this home that the Savior often retreated. It was in this home the Savior got away from the pressures and the demands of ministry. Here was the home the Savior felt comfortable in. Here was a home that he enjoyed. Here was a home that he loved. And here was a home that he trusted. But tonight in this story, it's become a very sad home. In this little home, death had come. For when we arrive at Bethany tonight, two sisters meet us. They're dressed in black. There's tears. There's stunned silence. They don't really know what to say because four days prior, they've just buried their brother Lazarus. You see, friends, death comes to every home. None of us know what tomorrow might bring. None of us know what's around the next corner because death is no respecter of persons. He sits over every home. Death sits over every family and over every individual life. He hovers over you tonight. He hovers over this meeting tonight. None of us know what a day may hold, but here stands Jesus in the stench of death and what a claim he makes. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me, he shall never die. You see, friends, death tonight is an unhappy event. And maybe tonight you've been there. Maybe tonight you know what it's like to have a home that's plunged into darkness and into sadness. Maybe tonight you can sympathize in a real way. You've maybe lost a loved one. Maybe tonight you know that deep pain and that deep loss. Maybe it's, it seems to be getting worse and more painful as time goes on. Maybe tonight it's been an inward death. Maybe tonight you're like Mary... And you sit still in the house. And when the master calls, you say, Sorry, it's too late for me. Too long gone and I'm too long dead. I'm an impossible case for God. There was once a time my life meant something. There was once a time I believe my life had purpose. If you had to come a little sooner, if you had to come when I needed you all those years ago, you say things like, there was once a time I believed there was a God. There was once a time that I believed in you. There was once a time that my heart was tender and it was open. Maybe when I had my hair. Maybe when I had my looks. Maybe when I had my youth. Maybe you might have been able to do something with this life. Maybe when all the troubles and all the trials hadn't have come. Maybe whenever all those hardships and all those things that happened to me throughout my life. Maybe if you had to come when it was five or it was six or it was 16. Maybe you could have done something then. But Mary, Jesus came and Mary, she sat in the house. Too much loss, such a trail of destruction, too many disappointments, too many letdowns, friends. But death has gone so far now you don't feel like there's any hope. You see right down in the depths of your heart tonight, you understand the sorrow of death. Write down, friends, you felt it like these two sisters. There's sorrow, there's sadness, there's pain. But friends, I want to tell you there's good news tonight. Into this little home, there's a man that came and his name was Jesus. Into this little home, the master comes. Into this home comes the one that confronted death. Into the one, Into this home is the one that challenged and conquered death tonight. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead... Yet shall he live. In this statement and in this miracle, he shows what would happen to every person that believes in him. Just as Lazarus comes forth from the dead, those that believe in him would have eternal life and come forth from the dead as well. What a statement! I am the resurrection and the life. Dead promises tonight, friends. Dead dreams. Dead aspirations tonight. I want to tell you there's one tonight that can meet every death. And friends, even if you're a believer tonight and you're despondent and you're despaired and you think that everything's over, I want to tell you Jesus Christ comes right into your home tonight. He comes right into this meeting. He comes right into your circumstance and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live, I can conquer the death and the destruction and the defeat that is in your life tonight. Death it's a subject no one wants to talk about. It's the subject the devil doesn't want us to talk about because he knows if we start to meditate upon our life we might start to think where we'll be one second after we die and we might seek the Lord while he may be found. God let me tell you tonight the devil doesn't want you to think about your death. He wants you to keep going the way you are. Doesn't want you to keep thinking about your problems. Wants you to push them all to the side. Doesn't want you to know the answer tonight. But friends, I want to tell you, there's an answer to all your problems tonight. There's an answer to where you are. There's an answer to the pit that you're in. And I want to tell you, it's Jesus Christ. You see, if Jesus, friends, the death, we need to be confronted and reminded of our own mortality. You see, if Jesus doesn't come tonight, I'm going to die. And if Jesus doesn't come tonight, you're going to die, friends. Death is an unhappy event. When it comes, it brings division. When it comes, it brings disillusionment. It brings discouragement. It brings defeat. We know it so well for when someone dies, who we love our lives are often ripped apart. It tells us, it's once said, or I heard as I was studying this message in the Fiji Islands, that there's a custom called the calling of the dead. Apparently it said the one who suffers bereavement climbs to the highest tree or cliff on the island and after mentioning the name of the deceased he cries out, come back, come back, come back. It said that heart-rending wail is filled with such despair but it's only met by the echoes of its frustration. Those of you who have recently lost a companion A dear friend can appreciate this worn-out figure. Can you imagine that person with the tears streaming down its cheek as he or she continually pleads for the return of a loved one? Friends, death is an unhappy event. Death is a final event. Death is a physical event. Death is a spiritual event. Death is an eternal event. Friends, death is an unhappy event because the Bible says if you die without Jesus Christ, you know what's going to happen? You're going to lift up your eyes and you're going to be in torments. One second after you die, you're in hell. It's a universal event. It's an event that enters into the home of every man. It's an event that enters the home of the unsaved. It's an event that enters the home of the Christian. The death of another affects us all. Certain times in life, it affects us deeply, terribly, and emotionally. It's universal. There will come a day, whether you like it or not, or whether you believe it or not, or whether you accept it or not, you shall surely die. I wonder tonight, do you realize that death is knocking at your door? Do you realize, friends, that it's later than you think? Do you realize tonight the time that God's mercy and God's grace is running out. I came across an illustration where someone had once calculated a schedule that compares the average life to a clock on a single day. They say if you're age 15, you're about 10.25 a.m. on the clock. If your age is 25, you're 12.42. If you're 35 this evening, you're at 3 p.m. If you're 45, you're at 5.16. If you're 55, you're at 7.34 p.m. 65 you're at 9:55 p.m. and if you're 70 you're at 11 p.m. God wants you to know something tonight friends it's later than you think that's why the bible says behold now is the day of salvation he says today if you hear his voice harden not your heart he that hardens his heart the bible said so suddenly suddenly he'll come suddenly he shall be reproved suddenly death comes suddenly You see, death is an unhappy event. Death is a universal event, but friends, death is a surprisingly unexpected event. You see, Mary and Martha probably thought that Lazarus would recover from his illness. You see, we often think that we're always going to recover. We often think that we're never going to die. You see, because there's eternity that is put in the soul of a man, that's why you think you're never going to die. That's why you never seem to really get mature or get any older because, friends, there's an eternity in your heart. You are made to live forever and forever and forever. And one of those places, whether it be hell or heaven, that's where you will live forever and ever. It can be forever with the Lord or forever in hell for eternity. Death takes us by surprise. The story goes, one time a man made an agreement with death. He told the grim reaper that he would come with him without argument, but only on one condition, that death would send a messenger giving him plenty of notice. The agreement was made and the weeks went by. Days turned into months. Months turned into years. And then one evening as the man sat alone thinking about the great accumulation of his wealth, how he had progressed so well, In life, the man was startled and he cried out in great despair, but you're here so soon and without warning. I thought we had an agreement. And death replied, I've more than kept my agreement. You've sent me many messengers. I've sent you many messengers over the years. The man said, when and where have you sent these messengers? Death replied, just look in the mirror for a moment. And you will see some of my messengers. As the man looked in the mirror. Death whispered. Just notice your hair. Sure once it was full. And once it was black. But now it's thin. And now it's white. Then he said pay attention to how you lean your head to listen to my voice. Because you cannot hear me very well. Then observe how closely you must get to the mirror. Because you cannot see yourself clearly. I've sent my messengers through the years. I've kept my part as a pity you didn't keep yours. I'm sorry you're not ready for me, but the time has come for you to go. You see, friends, tonight many won't be ready when death comes. Friends, you need to be ready in this life. I was speaking to a young man. On the Friday night in Castle Welln, and he said, he says, "I, I want to live just, I'm not really sinning, and I just want to live the way I can, and I'll look for God at some stage, you know, and, but I said, friends, you know, you need to be ready in this life. You need to have accepted Him because then why would Jesus have died? Because, friends, if we could make it all right when we got to heaven, then He wouldn't have had to shed His precious blood. You need to be ready on this side of eternity. There's an appointment with death, but friends, I want to tell you, in this life, you can have an appointment with Jesus Christ. Mary, the Master, has come and calleth for thee. You see, there's a moment in every person's life when Jesus comes. There's a moment in every person's life that Jesus calls. There's a moment for every life with the Master. There's a moment in every life where you hear the voice of God calling you. You might have wanted, you might have wanted Him to come a little sooner. You might have wanted him to come at a more pleasant time. But friends, he picks the moment that he comes. Friends, I want to tell you, if you're in this meeting tonight, I want to tell you you're not here by coincidence. You're not here by chance. I want to tell you you're here tonight because God is calling you by his irresistible power. You're here tonight because, friends, you never would have been in a meeting Maybe in years you've never had any desire to be in a meeting, but you're here tonight because God is calling you, friends. Friends, I want to tell you, 27 years of my life I resisted God, never had any interest in Him. But one night, as I said earlier, on the 17th of June, I knew God was calling me to get right with Him, friends. I'm presenting you tonight, not with a method or not with a scheme. I'm presenting you tonight with a person. And He says, I'm calling you back to Messiah. Of the answer to every single one of your problems. of the answer to the pit that you're in. I'm calling you tonight, friends. God is calling you. He picks the moment that He comes. He decides when He brings you to the end of yourself. Throughout the Scripture, it tells us there's an appointment with Jesus Christ. One day in John chapter 4, it tells us the Lord Jesus met a Samaritan woman at Sycor's well. He said, if you drink of that water, you'll thirst again, friends. He was telling her the water of this world will leave you thirsty. The things of this world will leave you empty and dry. Friends, I want to tell you drink and drugs and all the things and all the pleasures of this world I've had of every single one of them. And I want to tell you they left me empty I'm bankrupt and dry. But friends, Jesus said if you drink of that water, you'll thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I'll give you, you'll have a well of water springing up within you on the everlasting life. He'll never leave you Thirsty. He'll never leave you empty. He'll never leave you bankrupt tonight because within Him He says, I've come that I might give you life and I might give you to the full. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. There was an appointment with Jesus Christ. It tells us that He walked through Jericho in Luke chapter 9 and He stopped under a sycamore tree and He called a very short man called Zacchaeus. And that day was a case appointment with Jesus Christ. He was hiding up a tree, friends, just to get a look at Jesus. But friends, he was trying to hide and look and trying to get a wee look, but hoping that Jesus wouldn't see him. But friends, I want to tell you, Jesus could see him better than he could see everybody in that room. You might be coming in here tonight. You might be hanging your head. You might be hiding at the back, friends. But I want to tell you, Jesus can see you right where you are. I can see you better than everybody everybody else in this room tonight and I want to tell you Jesus knows exactly where you are and I want to tell you tonight is your appointment with Jesus Christ you see friends Jesus picks the moment and tonight you're in this wee meeting and you're in all your need and in all your sin that sin that weighs you down that sin that defeats you that sin that keeps heaven locked up from you, He comes into this service and it's your appointment with Jesus Christ. Friends, this is your moment to get right with God. This is your call. It says, The Master is come and calleth for thee. Friends, I believe tonight this is your moment of decision. But you might say tonight my problems are too big. The trials are too big. It's too late. Too much has happened. Too much has gone wrong. I'm not good enough to come to God. If he knew what I'd done, friends, I want to tell you, I want to tell you Jesus is the answer to every problem tonight. I love it because in this verse is the answer. It simply tells us he's the master. He's the master of every life. He's the master of every circumstance. He's the master of every problem, friends. I'll bring you to a little boat in Mark chapter 4. Christ is weary from serving the people all day and He goes for a sleep at the back of the boat. A great storm arises with Him and all the disciples in it, friends. And He arises and He says, they come and they say, Jesus, our Master, do you not care that we perish? And Jesus arises, friends, and He says, peace, be still to the storm. And they say, what manner of man is this that the winds and the seas obey him and friends I want to tell you the winds and the seas obey him tonight because he's the master of every problem he's the master friends of everything can I bring you to the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5, Jesus is making his way through all the people. They're all ill and he comes to a man that's been paralyzed for 38 years, friends. And friends, he's sitting there all alone and apparently if he can get into this pool when the waters are stirred, friends, he'll be healed. But every time that the waters are stirred, there's other people that get in before him. And friends, maybe that's the way it's been your whole life. You always feel that people are excelling ahead of you. You always feel that you're on the backwards, friends. You always feel the last, but friends, Jesus comes to this little man and he says, Arise and take up your bed and walk. And immediately that man was healed and he rose and he walked. Why? Because Jesus is the master tonight. Can I bring you to the time where he fed 5,000 with five barley loaves and two fishes? Friends, he's the master. Can I bring you to the time he gave 10 lepers back their health? And back their dignity. And it says they went rejoicing. I want to tell you tonight he's the master. Can I bring you tonight to a man that was deaf and dumb. And couldn't speak friends. I want to tell you tonight he's the master. There was a day he came into lives in this room. The master came. And he saved. And he set free. And he delivered. Why? Because he's the master. The master can meet your need tonight. He's bigger than all your problems. He can heal every hurt. He can forgive every sin. He can change the perspective of every problem. He's the master. The master is come and calleth for thee. But for some tonight, your hope is faded. Your dreams have died. For some, you're like Lazarus and you say, I'm not just dead. I'm a long time dead. You're saying maybe my hope didn't just die last week. My hope died a long time ago, and I don't even know what I'm, what I'm doing here tonight. You may be saying, I have a glimmer of hope in my heart, and that's it. My life is impossible, and I am incapable. I'm actually incapable of making anything change. My life is in so much bondage. I can't change myself. What I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I end up doing. That's what Paul says. He says, this sin has me so wrecked and ruined. What I don't want to do, I end up doing. I end up hurting the people that I don't want to end up hurting. I don't want to do all the things that I do, but I end up doing them. Friends, and then he says, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I want to tell you there's only one answer tonight, and it's Jesus Christ. Friends, that's exactly. My life is impossible, and I'm incapable of making anything change. And that's exactly what happened to this man called Lazarus. He was dead. He was incapable of any change. He was stone cold, dead, and he couldn't bring himself from one place to the other. For the Scripture says, not only was he dead, he was bound from head to toe. He was completely bound in death. His mind was bound. His hands were bound. His feet were bound. His voice was bound. His heart was bound. His past was gone. His future was dead. And his present was hopeless. And all the people around him, every voice around him, was just adding one more opinion of death to his situation. There were some here tonight and you wake up. And the voice of death says, why get up? Why go to work? Why keep living? Why try to change? Sure, it's just hopeless. Your situation is hopeless. You're a hopeless case. You've failed. You've wrecked. You've ruined. What hope is there for you? Just get up and do what you do every day. Just pull yourself together. Try and keep it going and go through another day. But friends, friends, I want to tell you. Friends, it's finished. They'll tell you. And that maybe, that's maybe the opinion of your life. I want to tell you, it's maybe the opinion of others about your life. I remember whenever Tim tried to have said it many times. Whenever he phoned the policeman. I was in jail at the time and he phoned the policeman. And he says, "Uh, I'm trying to find this man called Brent. I don't know his second name, but could you give me it? He says, don't worry about his second name because his second name is bad news. Friends, everybody might have an opinion about you. But friends, I want to tell you, Jesus has a different opinion about you tonight. This constant voice that says it's finished and it's over. You see, I'm sure as they laid Lazarus in that tomb, they said it's over. I'm sure as they laid him on that slab and rolled that that stone across that grave, I'm sure they said it was finished. But friends, there's one more voice tonight that says the same words, but in a different way. There's one more voice and the last thing that ever came out of his mouth as he breathed, that last breath on the cross as he died to pay the price for your sin and mine, to take away your death and everything that you've done against God. He cried on that center cross, It is finished, not in the same context as every demonic part of hell, but what he was saying is, it is finished, is finished. Friends, he defeated every demonic power and everything that you're hung up on tonight. He cried, it is finished, and defeated every single one of them. Friends, that's the voice that says it's finished, that every place of death is finished. Every voice that says you can't Jesus says it's finished. Everyone that says it's hopeless, Jesus says it's finished. Friends, it's the place that death had come, a place where hope had died. The future looks bleak, but into the midst of it all, suddenly a voice comes and cries, it is finished. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He says, your hope's died. He says, your strength is gone. Your future looks bleak. But God says, if you can hear my voice tonight, if you can hear me calling you, I'm telling you, I'm going to open your grave. I'm going to open this place and give you a life that is deeper and more profound and more wonderful than everything you could ever have gotten in your own strength. He says, if you will hear my voice and arise, I'm going to change you so radically that it will shock the friends around you. If you will hear my voice, it will shock the testimony of people around you. see, friends, yes, there's the problem of death, but then we're confronted with the person of Jesus Christ. In the stench of death, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He rose from the dead, friends, not because he... Friends, I want to make it clear tonight. He's not the resurrection and the life because he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead because he is the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He's telling us in this verse, friends, that he's come, friends, and his purpose is to make dead men live. He's telling us that his purpose is to change lives. I wonder tonight, do you look at your life and say, I really need to change some things. I wonder, do you look at the things around you and say, do you know what I need? I need life. Do you get up every morning and go, you know what? I'm not living, I'm just existing. Friends, I want to tell you, Christ came to give you life, and life to the full. I wonder tonight, does your life just seem like a treadmill? You're just going over and over the same things, day after day, and again and again. Not living, but just existing. And the question that floods your mind is this, is this all? that life's about? Friends, the answer is no, no, it's not. The Lord Jesus Christ says, I've come to give you life and that you might have it to the full. Not just a rubbish life. Christ didn't die on a cross just to give you a rubbish life. Didn't come just to give you a normal life, but he came to give you a life that's full. That word full means it's a life that's running over. What's the wee song say? Running over. Running over, my life's full and running over. Since the Lord saved me, I'm as happy as can be. My life's full and running over. Lived my life the way I wanted for 27 years. I was left empty. It was left barren. And it was left void. But one day on the 17th of June, I met the Lord Jesus Christ. And my life has never, never been the same. Since the hand of Jesus touched me, my life has never Being the same. Friends I wonder tonight do you look at your life. And see an emptiness. I wonder tonight do you look. And do you see a void. It's because friends you're not saved. It's because you don't know the life giver. The Lord Jesus Christ. Sorry to burst your bubble tonight friends. But life isn't going to begin at 40. I want to tell you life begins at Calvary. He came to give you life. And life more abundantly. In him was life. And that life was the life of men, men, friends. I want to tell you, he died on an old rugged cross that you might have life, friends. He didn't come, the Bible says, he didn't come to condemn the world. God didn't send his son to condemn us. Didn't send his son to beat us over the head with a big stick and tell us to be religious and come to church and dress right, friends. It says he came that we might be saved through his death, friends. He came because he loved us. He came because he seen us in our sorrow and in our pain. And in our mess, and he wanted to give us life and life more abundantly. Life begins at Calvary. You may be here tonight and you're only existing. You may be in this meeting on the outward, everything seems okay. You may be drawing breath, you may be drawing a salary, but inside you're empty and you're void. The Bible says you're dead and trespasses and sins. And what do people often do? Friends, they'll give you this advice. Some would say the answer to everything we need is to educate ourselves better. It's because you didn't go to school and all these things and you need to go to college and university and better yourself. It's because of your your upbringing, friends. And I'm not saying anything against that because everybody, most people haven't had a great upbringing these days. I didn't have one myself. But friends, I want to tell you that wasn't the problem. Why I was a great sinner, friends. But friends, they'll tell you. I want to tell you they'll tell you you need education. But friends, I want to tell you Lazarus didn't need educated When he was lying in that grave, he was dead. What Lazarus needed, he needed life. The old devil, he'll tell us we need pleasure. He'll just tell you to go out and enjoy yourself. Friends, many nights I was sitting there, and the old devil was telling me, all you need to do is brush it off. Go out and get drunk. Go out and take a few drugs. Enjoy yourself. The problem was I never had any money whenever he was telling me that, friends. But friends, that's what he'll tell you. Everything will be all right. But friends... You can take old Lazarus to that disco and you can try and teach him the dance, friends. But friends, it isn't going to change Lazarus one bit because he's dead. And what he needs is life. It wasn't pleasure Lazarus needed. He needed life. And friends, there's only one person that can give you life tonight. It's Jesus Christ. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He was showing his purpose that he came to do one thing. And that was to change life. He was showing us his power. Friends, there's only one tonight who has the power to raise from the dead. There's only one that can lift you out of your pit tonight. There's only one that can lift you out of all your problems I want to tell you, you've probably tried every method, every scheme, every new leaf, friends. I've done it a million times. A, A, N, A. Promised I wouldn't do it again. Everything, but friends, nothing ever worked. Tried prescription drugs. Tried this, tried that. Turned to the world. They told me I was a mess and everything else. I said, well, you're saying I'm broken. Can you fix me, friends? Well, they couldn't fix me. The only person that could fix me was the Lord Jesus Christ. Here in John chapter 11... Jesus is showing that he's the power. Friends, Jesus brought mayhem to funerals. He raised Jairus' daughter. He stopped a funeral cortege of the widow woman at Nain. He raises Lazarus in chapter 11. And what about his own resurrection, friends? If that had been the end of the story at Calvary, if he had died at Calvary, not one of us tonight would have any hope. Thank God on the third day, he rose victorious over the grave, over the devil, over every part of hell tonight. Thank God. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Leaders of this world, they're all in the grave tonight. Mother Teresa, Gandhi, Muhammad, Hare Krishna, they're all still in the tomb and in the grave. But Jesus Christ rose from the dead tonight. And because he's risen, the Bible says he's able to save to the uttermost that come to him. My friend, tonight, there's a living Savior tonight in the gospel. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He imparts life to those that are dead in trespasses and sins. Friends, do you realize you're dead tonight? Do you know you're dead? Has God been speaking to you? Has God calling you? Friends, you're dead in trespasses and sins. Without Jesus, you're dead. That's what the Bible says. Do you realize that you're dying physically? Do you realize that one night you will die eternally if you don't trust Christ as your Lord and Savior? Jesus is here tonight, and He wants not just to give you a new start in life. He wants to give you a new life to start with. He wants to give you the life that's eternal. He wants to give you a life that's abundant. There's the problem of death. There's the person of Jesus Christ, and then there's the promise of life. For what he says, he says, whoever believes in me shall never, never die. Doesn't matter who you are tonight. Doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor. Doesn't matter your background. Doesn't matter your temperament. Doesn't matter your disposition. But if you come and acknowledge Christ as your savior, recognize God loves you, that Christ died for you and you come tonight, he'll give you eternal life. That's the simplicity of it tonight. Not your works, Not your good efforts, not a new suit, friends, but Christ, trust Christ and you'll discover the job is done because on Calvary, he cried, it is finished. All you have to do tonight is trust him. The simplicity, the surety, he says, he shall never die. It's life tonight in Jesus Christ. But I'm nearly finished. It all begins with a voice. He calls your name like you've never heard it before. He calls you to himself with such tenderness, but such authority, calls you with such promise, such hope, such future, calls you as if he's the one that created you, calls you with a deep depth of love that nothing you've ever known in this world can ever produce. calls you with a hope beyond every hope, every hope you've ever known. calls you with such expectancy to give you as future as the scripture says to give you a desired end. Calls you out of all death, all imitation, all weakness. Calls you out of captivity. Calls you just as you are. Doesn't tell you to clean up your act. Doesn't tell you to get rid of the grave clothes and get rid of the smell of death. Calls you just as you are to himself. You see, I think Lazarus heard a voice like he'd never heard before in his entire life. A voice that cut through all the darkness. A voice that cut through all the hopelessness. It's a voice that cuts through all the despair. It's a voice that cuts through all the bondage and all the smell and all the death and went right into the heart of Lazarus. A voice that seemed to be like the Son of God. A voice that had the power to bring him out of the grave. A voice that had the power to give him a new mind, a new heart, a new testimony, a new life, a new present and a new future. It's a voice that you've been hearing over these days. And over these weeks, it's a voice that you've never heard before in your entire life. It was a voice that was like no other. It's a voice that sometimes comes as a shout. Sometimes it comes as a whisper. voice that says, I died for you. A voice that says, I love you. A voice that says, I have a future for you. A voice that says, I went to your cross 2,000 years ago. And yes, you've done wrong. And yes, you've failed. And yes, you don't deserve it. But I love you. And because of that love, I went your cross, And I took the nails in my wrists, friends. And I took the whip marks on my back. And a crown of thorns upon my head. I took the spitting and the mocking and the slapping which should have been yours. And I took it upon myself that I might forgive you. And that you might be free. I know, friends and new me new, in newness of life. He wants you to know, you, know him in newness of life, not just for time, but for eternity. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All the old things pass away and lose their power, and everything becomes new. Thank God, friends, for the power of, an, of a living Savior. What an incredible life it is to live for Jesus Christ. What an incredible journey it is whenever you and I have the sense to get up from where we are and start moving towards the One who created us and called us for His own. There's nothing can separate you from the love of God except one thing, the wrong choice. Except when we hear the voice of God and decide to stay in death and parlessness, and weakness. But friends, it's an incredible thing to know the life that God offers. I don't know how to explain it fully tonight, I wish it was more eloquent and maybe better to speak, but it's like you're suddenly raised from the dead. You know, people ask you, well, what is it to be born again? What is it to be saved? Well, it's like being suddenly raised from the dead. There was once a time in my life that I was so burdened, so dark. I was so angry. I was so self-centered. Everything in my life was empty and a burden, but heard similar words to what you're hearing tonight that you could receive a new life here on earth. And God knows I tried to change. God knew I didn't have the power to change. I was dead in sin, but I heard the words that Jesus Christ was simply knocking on the door of my heart, that he would come in and he would take all the sin and all the shame and he would live his life inside of me. My life was a mess. No, I simply heard was these words, Brent, your life is the consequence of your sin. But there is an answer. And that answer is the Lord Jesus Christ, friends. I didn't have. Friends, I want to tell you, I didn't have some great conviction of deep sin. But I knew, friends, that I could look back on my life. And I knew, friends, what I'd heard as a young boy, that I heard that Jesus died for me. That I heard that he hung on a cross, that he was coming back again. I heard about sin. I heard all about these things as a young boy. But I was able to look back on my life and see that the consequences of my sin and my choices were the reason I was where I was. But somebody told me there was an answer. Friends, that was the only answer I had at that time. And I took it, friends, and I want to tell you from that night on, my life was never the same. But I heard the words that Jesus Christ was simply knocking on the door of my heart, that he would come and he would take all my sin and my shame, and my impossible would never never possibly be the same. It seemed to be too good to be true, but that night God was calling me. He was speaking into my hopelessness, Speaking into everything that was unlike what he had created me to be, I asked him simply into my life, nothing happened instantly. There was no great puff of smoke. There was something there was something different that happened than every new leaf I'd ever turned. There was something that had different that had happened than every rev- resolution that had ever made to be good. Something did happen, friends. It was different than every rev- resolution friends. It was different than every new leaf that I tried to turn. Something different than every time before it happened. God had taken my feeble little prayer. And he'd come and he'd washed away every sin. And he'd made this body of mine his dwelling place. And every promise of this book had become mine. Week by week and month by month. Changes began to happen. I was raised from the dead. Just like Lazarus was, the first words Jesus said were unwrap him. And let him go. And that's what exactly what God begins to do. He begins to untangle the cords that are in your mind. He begins to untangle the cords of the old nature. He begins to untangle the old desires. Untangle the old way of thinking and doing things. Not all over in one night, friends, but in an instant, the power of sin and bondage and hopelessness was dead in this life, and a new life had come. I remember I used to be so tortured in my mind. I couldn't rest. I couldn't settle. I couldn't sit still for five minutes, friends. But I remember months after I was saved, I just remember I was standing in my wee kitchen, friends. I didn't like to be on my own. I'd always been with people my whole life. Always had people around me. And I was standing in that wee kitchen. And then I realized, friends, I'd been standing there for maybe an hour and a half. And not one thought had gone through my mind, friends. The peace of God had filled this heart, friends. There was no trouble. There was no burden, friends. I want to tell you the peace of God can come into your life tonight. New hopes. This is the life that Jesus Christ offers. He offers you a new life, a new start, a fresh beginning. New hopes, new desires a clean slate. He says, I'll actually restore the years that the locusts have eaten. I'll give you those wasted years back. This is what God is offering tonight. Life, real life, not just existing, but a life to the full. But the question has to be tonight, what will you do? What will you do when your call comes? You see, there's the title, he's the master There's the truth. We know that Jesus has come. And then there's the test. The Master has come, and He's calling for you. It's intimate tonight. It's personal tonight. Jesus has come tonight, and He's calling for you. It's a call that you know is happening. It's a call that you've never, ever had before. You've maybe never, ever wanted to be in church But you're here, why? Because God is calling you. But the test is what you will do when He comes and calls. Many are fascinated to hear about the Master. They're delighted to know He came. They love the fact that they can feel His presence in church. They think it's awesome. They love to hear about the cross. They love the Bible stories. They love the singing. They love the hymns. They love the testimonies. But the test is when they hear, He's actually calling them. It's like when you hear the doorbell going in the house. Everybody's at home. And the question is, is he going? Is she going? And the person outside is thinking, is anybody coming? Or is anybody going? So many, they come to church and they hear the voice of God. They hear the gospel preached. They always think that someone else should go. It's not for me, it's for them. It's for somebody else. But listen tonight, the master has come, and he's calling for you. Nobody else is involved. It's individual. This is the way it's always been. He called Adam in Genesis chapter 3, Adam, where art thou? To begin a nation in Genesis chapter 12, he called Abraham, and he says, get thee out of thy country. It was individual, and it was personal. And first Samuel, the young prophet, is lying in his bed. He hears a call, Samuel, Samuel. He gets up out of his bed and he goes to the old prophet Eli and he says, Are you calling me? Eli says, I never called you. Go back to bed. He goes back to bed and he hears the call again, Samuel, Samuel. And he gets up and he runs to the old prophet and he says, Eli, are you calling me? He says, I haven't been calling you. But God's calling you. The next time you hear his voice, you better get up and call. Get up and answer. The call comes again. Samuel! Samuel! He says, Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. Then you need the answer. The call. It was personal, it was individual. And tonight the master has come and calleth for thee. Don't sidetrack it. Don't put it on to somebody else. Don't hope and pray somebody else will respond for you tonight. In Bethany, how did Mary respond? It tells us in verse 29. Friends, it tells us she arose and she came quickly. Friends, tonight you need to respond in exactly the same way. You need to respond quickly. You need to respond urgently. You need to hear the voice of God and arise. You need to come exactly the same way and exactly the way you are. You've heard the message tonight. You need to arise. You need to come, and you need to believe in Him. You need to repent of your sin. You need to trust Him and say, Jesus, I know you died for me. I need you in my life. I need you to cleanse me from my sin. You need to say tonight, Jesus, what I need, what I actually need. See, friends, the problems aren't on the outside. The problem's on the inside. And what you actually need isn't pleasure, isn't education. It isn't the things of this world. What you actually need is him. Lord, I need you. The master has come and calleth for thee. Will you be like Mary? She heard, she arose, and she came quickly. That's what you need to do. The master, the master has come, and he's calling for you. Let us pray.